you can read about and you should read about and study about the year of Jubilee. You can read about it in Deuteronomy and Leviticus in the Old Testament. And the year of Jubilee is basically in ancient Israel, there was this time where after a period of seven years, you forgave people of their debts. You said, I have made a loan to you. It's free and clear. It's gone. It's taken care of. If slaves were working to pay off a debt, the slaves were set free. Every seven years. If somebody had put up their land for collateral and said, I need you to loan me money. Here is my land. If you will give me money, I will give you my land. In the year of Jubilee, the land was given back to the owner. The debt was paid. And that was every seven years. I know here at Simple Church today we are celebrating five years. But I cannot help but to think about the celebration that comes from being set free. What an amazing thing to celebrate. If we celebrate anything here today at Simple Church, it is being set free. On top of the year of Jubilee, there was the Jubilee of Jubilees, which was 7 times 7, 49 or 50 years, and it was an even greater celebration. And I have had this on my heart today. I've had it on my heart leading up to today, and I got to thinking about it, you know. I got to thinking about our celebration. What are we really celebrating? And we just sang a song celebrating the one who set me free. It is not about our freedom. It is about the one who set me free. We have a tendency sometimes to focus on ourselves and we worship the great gift of salvation and freedom and restoration without celebrating the one who has given it to us. Let us not be a people who celebrate what God has done for us without celebrating him who has done all the work. We did not do anything. We did not deserve anything. We are not entitled to anything. Out of his great mercy and his great love, he poured it out on us. Undeservingly. Undeserving. We deserve hell. We deserve to be separated from God for all of eternity. That is what we deserve. Even your best efforts at doing what is right. Even when you do that great thing, which is to help somebody in need. Even when you serve someone else. Even your best attempts at righteousness are still deserving of hell. You understand what I'm saying? That, that, that even when we think that we are doing something so good, that really, if we examine our hearts and look at what's really in there and our motivations behind it, it's not good. It's not good. There are selfish motiva motivations behind it so many times. When you become a Christian, you do it to the glory of God. All of your good deeds and all of your attempts at righteousness are to glorify your Father who is in heaven, and therefore they become good. But you, apart from God, even your best attempts 
at doing what is right and doing what is good will fall short and they will ultimately be sin because your, de- your desires and your motivation are that of selfishness. So today we celebrate the one who set us free. I wanted to read to you a passage from Luke chapter 7 and it I, I was reading this passage and uh, I didn't know who to feel sorry for. I felt like I should feel sorry for somebody in this passage and then I started thinking about it and who am I really supposed to feel sorry for? Let me read it to you. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard that he was eating there she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume then she knelt behind him at his feet weeping her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them when the pharisee who had invited him saw this he said to himself not out loud he said to himself if this man were a prophet he would know what kind of woman is touching him She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other but neither of them could repay him so he kindly forgave them both canceling their debts who do you suppose loved him more after that Simon answered I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt that's right Jesus said then he turned to the woman and said to Simon this woman kneeling here when I entered your home you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair you didn't greet me with a kiss but from the time I first came in she has not stopped kissing my feet you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume I tell you her sins and they are many have been forgiven so she has shown me much love but a person who has forgiven little shows only a little love and Jesus said to this woman your sins are forgiven the men at the table said among themselves who is this man that goes around forgiving sins and Jesus said to the woman your faith has saved you go in peace I read that passage And I started initially to feel bad for the woman. She has a reputation. She is a woman of the city. She is a sinner. That means that people look down on her. She's probably isolated. There's probably a lot of times when she feels alone. There's probably a lot of times when she feels this tremendous shame for the lifestyle that she has. An overwhelming sense of guilt an overwhelming burden for what she has done and what she continues to do 
initially felt bad for her. Somebody that feels all of that and has the weight of the world crushing down on them because for whatever reason, this is her lifestyle and this is where she is. And she gets word of Jesus is going to have dinner with a Pharisee named Simon. And there are obviously other Pharisees that are there. And in Middle Eastern culture, one of the things they do is they recline at a table, they lay down. So one of the things they do is, is they have a servant wash your feet. We know this. Um, you wash their feet so that, you know, it, it, it's, it's more clean, cleanly. It's, it's a little healthier. You know, if you're going to be laying down, your feet are going to be next to somebody's head. So what they did is they would have a servant. If you've been walking around all day in sandals with dusty roads and all of that, and they would have a servant wash your feet. Well, that's not what happened this particular day. They recognized Jesus as, as an important person, so much so that Simon even goes on to tell it, call him teacher. We know that they, they recognize him as a, as a rabbi of sorts, a teacher, and they invite him to come. It, not just anybody's invited to come to a Pharisee's house to have dinner, but this particular Pharisee, had Jesus over, and Jesus points out, he says, you know what? I came in, and you didn't even offer me water to wash my feet, much less somebody else to wash my feet, or much less you to wash my feet. You didn't even offer me water to wash my feet. And he goes on to say, and you know, I mean, it's customary that you give me olive oil to anoint my head was a way of, of kind of cleansing their hair too before they got ready to eat and he said this lady however has used this rare perfume in this alabaster jar to anoint my feet and she she washed my feet but she didn't wash it in the way that was customary she didn't use a basin full of water and a towel to clean my feet. No, instead it was personal to her. She understood who she was in the presence of, and she understood before these guys ever did. They're asking the question, who has the power to forgive sins? She already knew. I believe that's why she was there to begin with. She knew who she was in the presence of. Simon, I don't think, had a clue. I don't feel bad for the lady feel bad for Simon he didn't realize who he was in the presence of he didn't realize he was in the presence of the one who has the ability to forgive sins and this lady she comes in off the streets in an environment where she wouldn't have been welcome anyway in most of the homes in this day they would have a courtyard in the center and and a lot of times that's where they would have dinner or a teacher would come and he would teach there and people would would kind of roll in from the streets and that's kind of what happens, and this lady kind of stands behind Jesus, and I'm sure she's listening to him, right? She's just listening to what Jesus has to say. She just wants to be close to the one who she knows has the power to forgive sins. And the other thing she knew, all of these things that the guilt and the shame and all that stuff, she knows all that stuff too. And all she can do in response is just cry at his feet and give him, offer him for his feet. It's probably the most expensive thing she does. 
that's her focus. That's her desire. I think about in my own life, I was talking about this yesterday. You see, people often ask me, Kenny, who's your preacher? Um, you're our preacher, but who is your preacher? And, and yes, I have people like David Platt and Francis Chan and Paul Washer and great heroes of the faith like that. And yes, I listen to them and podcasts are great, but you know, you know who my real preacher is? It's when I'm talking to you guys and I'm tuned into his Holy Spirit and God starts using your lips to talk to me. Whether that's over a cup of coffee, whether that's across the table at a seafood dinner, I listen and God begins to speak to me. And I was having this conversation last night and I started talking about the prodigal son and how I don't understand because she said to me she said you know one of the things I often forget is God's immense love for me God's tremendous amount of love for me and his desire to be with me and as we've been studying we, we, we looked at Abraham and the covenant made with Abraham we've been studying that recently too and, and the whole purpose was to give God's people a purpose and a place to be with God from the beginning of the covenant of Abraham to the end of Revelation, that has been his goal is to be able to be with us. His desire to, to be with us, his creation. And sometimes I get wrapped up in all the little things and, and I become legalistic sometimes in my own way of thinking. I got to do this and I got to do that. And, and I just forget his great, immense love for me. Now, once again, I will say once, once more, this is not about me, but it is about his great love for me. That is worthy of our praise. And we were talking about the, the, the prodigal son, and I said, one of my favorite songs is by Phillips Craig and Dean, and it's an old song, and it's maybe cheesy to you, but the name of the song is When God Ran, and it's about the prodigal son, and, and, and he's talking about how he's this almighty king. He's the Lord of Lords. He is God. He said, and the only time I ever saw him run was when he ran to me. And that's the picture of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son had taken everything that the father had given to him as his inheritance. You see what happens in the prodigal son is that the son goes to the father and says, you know what? Give me everything that's going to be my inheritance, dad. Go ahead and give it to me now so I can have it right now. And so the father gives it to him now you have to understand that when a father gives an inheritance to a son it's basically like the son is saying dad you're dead to me go ahead and give me my inheritance and how crushing of a blow that must have been to the father because the father knew full well what the son was going to do with the money didn't he he knew that this son was going to take the money and go out and just blow it and blow it on things that do not honor god and that's exactly what the son did in rebellion, he went out and blew all the money. Then he finds himself in a dire situation where he's looking at the slump and the pig trough going, man, I wish I just had something to eat like that. He said, even, even my servants that work for my father have it better off than I do. So he tucks his tail and he comes back to the dad. The dad has no reason to still love him. He's already told him, dad, I think you're dead to me. Give me everything that, that I, I'm going to get later go ahead and give it to me now the father has no reason to love the son but when he sees the son a long way off 
to him. Do you understand that? I, I can't understand it. I get it. I read it, and, and I, 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 I hear the words, but I can't understand it. I can't wrap my mind around why a God who is infinitely good and infinitely just could also be infinitely loving in the way that he rescues me from who I am. All of the things that I do are in direct rebellion to him. All of the things that are inside of me wage war against the truth of God. But yet, he says, you know what? I'll take all of that that is against me and I'll put it on my son and I'll kill him for it. So that you, you can be set free. So that you can receive real jubilee. That you can understand what it means to have your debt paid. That you can understand what it means to be a captive that is set free. I don't think this woman that we're reading about in this passage, I don't think that she could fully comprehend it, but I think she got it. I think she just got it. I think she just recognized who she was in the presence of, and she just worshipped him for who he was. When I think about the year of Jubilee, and I think about the ancient Israel uh, Israelites and how they would celebrate it, this Pharisee would have known that. As a teacher and instructor of the law, he would have known of what it meant to have a year of jubilee. You see, I, th- I think that he has an idea and a concept of his, in his mind of being set free, uh, of, of being having your debt erased and all of those things. I think he has that concept in his mind. But in his mind, the problem that he has is he doesn't believe that it applies to everybody. He doesn't believe that it applies to somebody who has rebelled against God, somebody had his, that is known, their reputation is such that they are, are one who is a sinner. See, he doesn't look at it in that light. He doesn't look at it. See, God's trying to remind them the whole time through the year of Jubilee that it is about having your debt canceled. It is about being set free. But this Pharisee, he doesn't see the real heart of God, which is the fact that this lady who has a tremendous debt, and that debt is her sin, and that debt is her shame, and that debt is her guilt. But the loving God that we serve, He's about canceling that debt as well. This is what I know. I get wrapped up in a lot of things. We talk about a lot of stuff, and um, you did this, and you did that, and why didn't you do this? And our personalities get in the way, right? We start bickering back and forth, and our, our personalities get in the way. I know that's a distraction to the church. I know that it is. But this is what I know. There are some people that have come in here and they have sat in the presence of God. They have brought their guilt and their shame and their burden and their sin and they have sat here in the presence of God and God has set them free. And I think if you were to talk to those people, you know what they would say? All that other stuff doesn't matter. Who cares about our personalities, our desires, our, 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 our personal taste? Who cares about that stuff? We're in the presence of the one who set us free. 
you've ever been around somebody who's recently just had their debt canceled and ha- recently come to faith in Christ and they they just have this overwhelming sense of joy and it's like, man, I don't care about anything else. It's just about Jesus. This lady in this particular situation, she didn't care who was sick. She didn't care about how they felt about it. She didn't care about what they thought. You know what she cared about? She cared about Jesus. So much so that she got into his presence. I, I think this is a natural response to somebody who is um, who's a sinner, which I don't know about you, but that's me. When you get in the presence of Jesus, sometimes you just cry. You don't, you can't even explain why. You just, you just cry. It's like it's overwhelming that I'm in the presence of holiness and and I, I know who I am. Therefore, I just I cry and I weep and it it, it breaks my heart. psalmist says my sacrifice to you O god is a broken spirit and a contrite heart these you will not despise and i just think that when we get in the presence of an almighty god i think that it breaks our heart and we just weep all we can do is weep now see she didn't she didn't have any idea that he was going to forgive her sins he just knew that she that he she just knew that he had the power to and she knew that she had a lot of sins and that's what Jesus is alluding to with this story. It's like you got one who's got a lot of sin, and one who's got a little sin, and, and 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 she's overwhelmed with this sense of her sin. Let me tell you something. Whether you have a lot of sin or a little sin, whatever sin that you have, it separates you from God, and you need forgiveness of that sin. This lady. Because her sin was great, she had a greater understanding of that forgiveness that she needed. She had a greater understanding of the debt that needed to be canceled. And when she got in the presence of an almighty Savior, she just wept and took the most precious thing that she had and poured it on his feet. She didn't have a towel, so she wiped his feet with her hair. And that's what it was about for her. Jesus was here to proclaim jubilee for the people of God. In Luke chapter 4, we read this when Jesus took the scroll of Isaiah the prophet. This is what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, And that the oppressed will be set free. That the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jubilee has come. It's a year of jubilee has come. If we're here to celebrate anything today, it is the fact that jubilee has come. And it has come through the person of Jesus Christ. That he has no reason to forgive us, but he does. He has no reason to love us the way that he does, but he does. Today, this is what I know. We got a lot of hurting people in this place. And you may be hurting for one reason or another. Maybe you're hurting because you got something going on in your life. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's a physical illness. Maybe there's there, there, there's something else going on in your life that's such a distraction for you. You don't even know what to do. You can barely listen to the words that are spoken today because you're thinking about whatever this thing is. 
And then I also know this, that there are people here today that you've never experienced the freedom that I'm talking about. You may come to church and you may listen and you may hear, but, but maybe today is the first time you understood. You see, they ask the question. They say, who is this man that, has the power to, that says that he has the power to forgive sins? Maybe today, for the first time ever, you've asked that question. Who is this man that has the power to forgive sins? Let me tell you something. You know what Jesus said in response to all of that? You know what Jesus said in response to all their questions? He just looked at the woman. The woman who had humbly come and bowed before him and just cried at his feet. He didn't address them. He gave them a story so they could go off and they could think about it. But he looked at the woman. And he said, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Today, if you don't have peace, there's only one place you can go place you can go and if you try to go somewhere else you won't find it you may find it for a few minutes but it won't last you will only 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 find peace in the words of Jesus Christ who has said your sins are forgiven go in peace that is the only place you'll find it my prayer for you today is that you'll come to him the one who has the ability to set you free is to be with us as nasty and as filthy and as terrible as we are you want to be with us so much so that you took all of my nastiness and all of my filth and you poured it on your son who had never did anything wrong and that he lived a perfect life and he took all of my filth and he put it on himself grace is beyond my comprehension but Lord I'm overwhelmed by it in your presence God I'm just overwhelmed by it Lord I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in this place that he would rescue people he would rescue them from whatever heartache that they're in God whether it's something that they're going through in their life some storm that they're dealing with God or that 